Paul Smith. Keep pace with the investment management industry by attending CFA Institute's 69th Annual Conference. I'm Mark Harrison from CFA Institute, and I'm joined today by Hannah Thomas-Dutter, who is the founder and CEO of Sisters Capital. Hannah previously worked for Mars, Pepsi-Cola, Icelandic Broadcasting Corporation, and Reykjavik University, as well as co-founding investment firm Order Capital. She has also serves on numerous corporate boards, as well as non-profits. Hannah is a graduate of Thunderbird School of Global Management. So welcome, Hala. Thank you. My first question um, is a simple one, and it is, you know, what is the business case for gender balance? Um, thank you. It is actually an overwhelmingly exciting uh, business opportunity to start taking a, a closer look at women. Uh, according to McKinsey's latest report, we can add possibly as much as 28 trillion US dollars or 26% to the global economy by 2025 just by increasing the work or labor market participation of women to the level of men. Now, we may not go all that way, but this opportunity clearly far exceeds any growth opportunities we typically discuss, be it China, India or other emergent opportunities. Um, but it's, it goes beyond this economic case and, um, and also delivers to the bottom line. And it's been well established that gender balanced boardrooms deliver a better bottom line. And then I could go on for a long time about the social benefits, um, which we can, we can also go into. But clearly I view gender balance as, a, in, a, in a way, a risk management tool. Because I think um, sameness uh, or assembling teams in the boardroom or around the investment table of, of, uh, that are all the same and of similar background is, is not conducive to good dialogue and healthy decisions. Why is a more, uh, a more balanced set of values, let's say, key to sustainable financial services? I think we have been, um, we've sort of been going through um, a few decades probably where we have been pursuing alpha or we've had sort of a singular and rather short term focus on the economic profit or the bottom line. And I think now we are facing enormous challenges in society, be it climate change or migration or threat of war. Um, and at one, at one end, and on the other hand, we are facing the fact that new generations of employees uh, and the human capital is increasingly coming from women and younger generations who seem to have a different definition of success than the world of investment is embracing. So I find that in order for us to leave the world to our children or to even survive the next potential downturn, we are gonna have to start working from a different set of values, one that embraces what I consider um, a triple bottom line. And that is, of course, economic profit will continue to matter to people, but impact on people and our communities or, and our planet is gonna have to be part of the definition of success if we take a forward look and we wanna deal with some of these challenges and changes that are happening. Interesting. 
Now, you've mentioned some research, and you, you just touched on the McKinsey research. Yes. Can you perhaps give a little bit more detail on, on some of the research that's out there, particularly relating to fund managers and fund manager performance? Yes, it's really interesting that we don't have, because we don't have that many women in investment management or fund management, for example, in private equity, which is where I've been, we really don't have enough women to be able to do good research. So, but the research we have out there shows that women have tend in hedge fund in, uh, management have tended to outperform, uh, particularly over the long term, uh, male fund managers or the composite, the average in the market. But women only manage somewhere between two and three percent of all assets or institutional capital. So you could easily say the sample is too small, but you could easily challenge and say, or you could easily at least assert the fact that maybe the few women who actually make it into a sector that is based on pretty strong masculine values are really, really good. Uh, and you could actually make more money by looking uh, at investing more in them. So I've been questioning our institutional investor community and, and other investors if they are really missing out on the potential to both get returns and to um, be responsible about their contribution to society if they shouldn't be looking more specifically with a gender lens on how they choose their investments. It can definitely deliver to the bottom line, but I also think that it might deliver to a more healthy financial sector at large. Why do you think um, something like sustainability and sustainable investing might benefit from uh, feminine values as opposed to, say, just um, you know, more enlightened masculine um, personnel or um, <clears throat> you know, some sort of um, variation in, in educational background mm -hmm. between you know, people who perhaps w didn't have an elitist education? Mm. What is it? that's really specifically in, within feminine values that can help mm. you know, sustainable investing? It's very important when you ask that question, and I always get that question because I go out with these terms like feminine and masculine, and they are already loaded in our society with meaning. And frankly, masculine is currently in our society and everywhere more valuable than feminine. But the fact of the matter is that within every man and every woman, we have feminine and masculine tendencies. And we know from years of leadership research that the leaders that are the most effective at bringing change and bringing people along actually embrace a good balance of both. So I want to be very clear that men can definitely be enlightened or can be sisters and they can embrace feminine values. It's just that the sector, having been so overwhelmingly masculine, hasn't done a very good job at embracing the more feminine aspects. So I think part of bringing women along is actually to transform the culture for all. And we know that men appreciate that as much as women, um, because we're, as human beings, we're not that far away from each other. Um, and, and I find that most men, I, I get the chance to talk about this, and that's been a focus of my work this year, to talk to as many men as I can about this issue. They actually are convinced once they're educated about the data and allow themselves to kind of go through some of the stigma that we associate with talking about men versus women, feminine versus masculine, and it becomes about common sense. So when I founded uh, my first investment firm, it wasn't about women being better or feminine values being better. It was about inspiring the set of values we would work from with more of a feminine influence than we would typically see in this space. That's really interesting. And can you talk a little bit about um, you know, your background in Iceland and the, the variation between different countries yes. in their approach to, to this, this challenge? Yes. Well, Iceland, I'm proud to say, ranks, according to the World Economic Forum, first now for seven years in terms of uh, 
uh, closing the gender gap. And I do believe this has created a strong economy and a strong society, but we still have plenty of challenges, particularly towards the top of the pyramid. The C we have few female CEOs, but we have introduced gender quotas in the boardroom, in the supervisory boardrooms. And that has actually been very successful. And I, I think what one of the interesting facts from that is that leading business leaders and board directors who were against gender quota in the boardroom a few years ago have now found the two years since we've had it to have a very positive impact on how we choose boardroom directors. And we sometimes, we've sort of grown our definition of what a good board director looks like to embrace more diversity of thought, not just women, but more diversity of thought. And we've actually seen benefits in, so from selection to board dynamics and to the bottom line. But I do think in the Nordic countries in general, we have a more balanced economy, a more balanced society, and it's possibly easier for us to embrace the fact in a small country like Iceland that if we only use half of our population, you know, we're really not going to make much progress. We really need each and every person to contribute to our economy, our business community and our society to really be able to get the work done that needs to be done. So maybe it's easier to make change happen faster uh, and we're not as stuck in sort of old systems that just kind of maintain themselves. Uh, we're maybe more easily able to innovate in the smaller countries than in the US or the UK where tradition and strong systems maintain uh, a bit of a status quo and, and maybe a less transformative way of thinking. Thank you, Halla, for that explanation. Uh, very interesting indeed. And uh, thank you, the audience, for listening into this episode of the Take 15 series. We have a bunch of those Take 15 videos on our website at um, www.cfinstitute.org, which you're very welcome to investigate. Thank you. Copyright 2016 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.